Hello, Chuck. Welcome to 321 No Kidding. How you doing? I'm doing fine. How are you, Bobby? I'm great. Thank you so much for being here today. Pretty excited. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. We're going to jump right in because uh, I know we have lots of good stuff to talk about. So if you can kick us off, kind of sharing who you are, where you're from, what do you like to do in life, whatever you care to share as your intro. Okay. Uh, my name is Charles, but I prefer to go by Chuck uh, Abunaw. I will be 42 years old this summer, coming up. I'm single, never been married, don't have any kids. I'm the oldest of three kids. I have a younger brother and a younger sister. My sister's two years younger than me. My brother's 10 years younger than me. So he was the baby of the family, he came along later. For a long time, it was just me and my sister. Both my mom and dad are still married. Well, they are technically married, but they live in separate locations. But uh, they're still together. They're both still alive, so that's great. I currently am working as a customer service rep for a vision insurance company. Unfortunately, deal with the coronavirus, kind of first hired, first fired. So I am currently on unemployment, like a lot of other people due to the situation, which is fine. It's not my first time being on unemployment, but it's the one, but it's the first time me going on unemployment through no fault of my own. Absolutely, positively, no fault of my own, out of my control, higher power, coronavirus, nothing I can do about it. What I can do about it is figure out after I get over the initial shock of what to do with my time. And I decided that one of the biggest things for me to do is to focus on my recovery. So that's one of the things I've been wanting to do. And I feel like I'm in a better place now to talk about it and do it. You know, when you first brought up that you were doing this, I was apprehensive. I didn't feel very confident myself at the time right there. And so I was like, ah, I think I'll wait and see how it's, how it's, how it's going. But I've uh, lived up here in upstate New York for my whole life. You know, I went even further upstate for college. I went to college up in Plattsburgh, got a degree in political science, graduated in four years, came back home, got a master's degree in education and, um, from Russell Sage School in Troy. Thought I wanted to be a teacher, tried that for about five years. Decided that I liked being with kids, but not being a full-time teacher. Went into restaurant management. Did that for five years. Worked in several different restaurants. Fast food, casual dining, pizza, the whole, you know. And, you know, with various degrees of success, but that is a very volatile business. You know, restaurants do not have a large success rate. And they have a huge turnover rate and a very big burnout rate. Great. I just am hoping that you will mention your um, clean time for everybody. Well, I will. Yes. So okay. tomorrow will make 18 months for me. My last bet was 925.18. Congratulations. So, thank you. Thank you. Congratulations on your past anniversary this past, this past week. Thank so you. awesome. And that's a significant number for me, 18 months because that was the amount of time that I had previously before I went back out again. Ah. And so I was back out. I had 18 months. I went back out, took about a year to come back in and stop, get completely stop gambling. And now I have another 18 months and I know what that year was like. And I know what the last 18 months was like. <laughs> 
and I can't go backwards again. <laughs> I mean, let me not say you can't. Anybody can at any time. But I have no want, need, or know that no good will come from going backwards. I can relate to that. Do you want to share a little about your first time versus this time? Or like take us through that journey a little bit? Sure. So my first well, gamble free, you know, I had gone, I, you know, my gambling, now that I look back at it, um, it, it went through all the normal cycles that everybody else had. You know, I had times when I went broke and said, I'm done with doing this. I'm done gambling. I'm never doing this. This is before I even got into meetings or any kind of recovery. And then, you know, what happens, you know, you go broke, you put your, you know, you feel bad. You kind of put your life together. You abstain for a while. Say, I'm not going to do that anymore. And you put your life back together. Mm -hmm. And then you think you're okay. So you can go back to it. And it's going to be different. And it's not. And it gets worse. And for me, you know, my compulsion, you know, was playing Texas Hold'em poker. You know, I started out, you know, just playing regular fun $10, you know, $20 max home games with my buddies, you know, on a Friday night. And that worked great. And then at my second restaurant that I was working at, one of the waiters was a poker player. And so it was closing time, getting to be late. You know, it's after midnight, we're closing up. And, you know, we had gotten to talking and found out, you know, that we both like to play cards. And he said, hey, I know of a place where you can go to play cards after hours. So I said, okay, sure. You know, I'd love to go play cards. Well, this wasn't your, you know, this wasn't your card, your friend's poker game at home. There was a whole underground poker circuit in the area that I didn't know about. And he took me to one of them, one of them places and they had games running all night. And in the restaurant business, you know, you're a manager, you know what I mean? You're working late, you pop a Red Bull at 11 o'clock to give you the energy to go through. But then you're wound up. You don't want to just go home and go to bed. So I would go and play cards. It wasn't bad. You know, it wasn't bad. You know, you know, it wasn't bad at all. You know, you win some, you lose some, but things kept steady. Well, that summer, I lost that job. You know, they had bringing in new management and they were just cleaning house. And I was one of the people that they cleaned out. So the week that I got fired, I also collected on a settlement that I had coming to me from um, me hurting my knee previously. I had fallen on black ice, slipped and fell, tore up my knee really bad, and had surgery. And I ended up suing the place because they didn't have proper um, they didn't they, they didn't have proper um, drainage in the back, and it formed a pool of black ice on the back, and that's what I slipped on and tore up my knee. Long story short, I sued them, and the week that I got the week that I got let go of that job, I found out that I was. Um, I found out that you know my lawyer called me and said, "Hey, they made an offer. You know, I really think you should take it because you don't know you've got bills that had to be paid that have been delayed, and if they go to court, you know, we don't. You know, it's, it's a it's a crapshoot." So I took it. You know, it was for it was for. I think it totaled out to be like $100,000 was the settlement. Now, that's not what you get. I mean, got down to the meat and potatoes. I walked away with about $38,000. You know, a year's salary, tax-free, nothing. 
And my best line of thinking was not set up an account, not invested, da da da. I took the check, went to the key bank that the check was drawn on, and cashed it. Yeah. $38,000 in cash. Hmm. Ran home. I thought I was going to get robbed. Yeah, you know, I mean, it was legitimate and everything like that. But, it, you know, it felt very strange to have $38,000 like that. First thing I did was I went to my mother because she was concerned, you know, how are you going to live? How are you going to do this? I said, I'll be fine because I was able to collect unemployment because they let me go for my job. And I had all this cash. So I gave $1,000 to my mom for her to pay the mortgage and, you know, just kind of put her, put her aside. I call it, and now I look back, it was probably just a pair off, but <laughs> whatever. So you give her a thousand and you keep 37,000. I gave her a thousand. I gave my brother 500. I gave my sister 500. Okay. So that left me with about 36 grand left. I'm living at my parents' house. I don't have to pay rent. And it was, you know, and it was summertime. And I said, you know what? I'm not looking for a job right now. <laughs> All I'm going to do, I'm going to gamble every day. Wow. I'm finding this very interesting because I didn't know, I didn't move here until after all of this. So I don't know this about you. So I'm like on the edge of my seat. Right. So this is 2010. This is, so this is like summer of 2010. This is why Brett calls me the summer of Chuck because at my, when I gave my speech to talk about this at the um, first um, speaker jam, I called it the summer of Chuck because I had all my bills paid. I could pay my car payment, student loans, everything. I would literally go, I would go to the, I would have my little stash of hundreds, freshly crisp. <laughs> and at the beginning of the month, I would go to, I'd go right down to the um, post office, because I didn't have a checking account, and just have them run me out three or four money orders. The woman's like, are you printing these hundreds at home? <laughs> I'm like, no. I'm like, I'm like, no, they're, they're legit. It's like that. And I could do whatever I wanted to do. And all I want, and all I did was gamble. Wow! So this is all poker. All poker, all the time. The game started at seven o'clock, and they ran till the game stopped running. And they had tournaments, and they had everything going on at this. And what I didn't realize during this time period was I was turning as what we'd call from a cucumber to a pickle. Yep. Do you want to explain that for everybody? Sure. So the idea is that once you become a compulsive gambler, you become a pickle. And you can never go back. A pickle can never go back to being a cucumber. So I can never go back to the Chuck who just played $10 and $20 games with friends. Now I'm playing games that are, you know, $300 buy-in, $500 buy-in. You're playing, you're playing more and more and more. And for me, really, it didn't matter if I won or lost. I mean, I didn't want to lose, but it really didn't matter. It was just playing. Right. And I could play all night, sleep all day, because all my bills were paid. Everything was expensive. And this lasted for the whole summer. And then at the end of the summer, I, I had, a, you know, I had run through about 20 grand. I would add about 15 grand left. And I wanted to... You know, I wanted to move out. So a friend of mine had another friend who was just broken up with her boyfriend and she was looking for a place. And he's my friend's like, oh, you know, you should live with her. You know, it'd be great. 
And she picked out the most fanciest, elaborate, I mean, the place is a hotel, brand new. And I looked at it and I'm like, there's no way I can afford this. You know, I'm not, I don't have a job. I mean, I've got this money, but I don't have a job and I don't have as much of the money as I had at the beginning of the summer. But my best thinking said, <laughs> you know, and I said to her, I said, no, I said, let me think about it. And I was home and she called me up and she was really excited. And so I said, F it, let's go ahead and do it. I'll get a job. Getting into an apartment like that, now all of a sudden that 15000 goes real low because you got to get first month's rent, security deposit, furniture, you know, all this stuff. So, you know, I'm blowing through like another five grand within the month of doing so. And guess what? You've been gambling all summer, so you want to keep gambling. You know, it's just like the perfect storm. So fast forward, I do get a job, you know, but the job is, you know, in the restaurant business, you go through training and stuff. And I abstained from the gambling while I was training. And I, you know, I got pulled from training really early because somebody, a general manager quit. And so I got pulled from training early and placed up in Saratoga and I wasn't ready yet. Do you, at this point, you're saying you've abstained for training and stuff. In the back of your mind, are you aware that you might've gone into pickle land or do you still I knew nothing, think- I, knew, I knew nothing what a pickle was. I've gone to no kind of treatment or any kind of thing for a gambling problem. But do you, but in the back of your mind, are you thinking somewhere it switched from recreational to I have to do this or that? You're, it hasn't no, been in no your because, mind. because it wasn't affecting anything, Bobby. Ah. I had all the money. You know I mean, I'm, I'm like, not only do I have my own cash, but I've got $400 a week coming in for unemployment. Right. You know, I gave my parents money, I have my own car. So they're not, they have no, they, I mean, they don't have any immediate concerns of anything, you know. Okay, Chuck goes out. He's not to work tomorrow, you know what I mean? So I, you know, and like I said, that's why I said I basically kind of, I felt like I paid off. I look back, I look, I kind of paid off my family. You know, I didn't ask my mom for that money back. In looking back, do you think, you know, in the program we talk about big shotism? Oh, you- oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear what I said? I went to the bank and said, I'm cashing this check for $38,000. Give it to me in cash. You know what they said to me the first time? We don't keep that in the banks. You have to come back next week. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Okay, I was just, you know, checking in on the GA part of this conversation. Oh, big time big shotism. <laughs> rolling up, rolling up into the, uh, you know, I can't afford, I can't afford a checking account, but I'm, I'm, I'm going, I'm going to, so I'm just going to go to, you know, to, I'm, I'm just going straight to the, uh, what's it called? You know, straight to the thing, you know, straight to the post office and with my hundred dollar bills, boom, 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 boom you know? Hmm. Oh, complete big shotism. So I'm sorry, I totally interrupted your story. So you're getting us to, it, it, it's really interesting that you're saying, you know, basically, as long as my bills are paid and I have money, it's okay to gamble as long as we want. And I feel like there's probably a bunch, at least one or two other compulsive gamblers that think the same way, that as long as there's money, it's not a problem. So I'm very intrigued on how this progresses. So the apartment that I'm living, so I'm living in this apartment, it's expensive and everything. And the person that I'm living with is a very nice 
person, but they are all over the place. And I'm seeing my therapist and my therapist is telling me, Chuck, you know, because I have bipolar disorder. And she's like, Chuck, you're doing well. But if you live in this environment, sooner or later, it's going to affect you. And of course, I, I blow her off, you know. No, 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 it's not going to affect me. And for a while, I said, you know, when she would say, hey, you want to go out? I'm like, no, I'm not going out. I got to work. Da, 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 da. But after a while, you know, you say, F it. And the job that I went into, I wasn't prepared for. So I was over my head. They didn't like me there. You know, a lot of the people that I worked with had risen up. I was working for Taco Bell. A lot of people that worked there had risen up in the company. And then all of a sudden, they bring in this big black guy from outside. The people that they pulled from are more from like Wilton and from like a lot of the smaller areas, Schuylerville and stuff. You know, and you're going to move in this big black guy and say, he's your boss. But your boss doesn't really know anything. Wilton and Schuylerville are a little bit more country towns, right? A little bit. Right. Yeah. Demographic is what you're saying. Demographic is very, yes, very, very things. People thought that they were supposed to get the job and stuff. The only reason why I was really, I mean, I was able to get the job because the district manager used to be, um, used to work with my roommate at the time. Oh, okay. So, I mean, I had a really good interview with him, but when I dropped her name, he was like, oh my God, she's great, blah, blah, blah. So then the fix was kind of in, you know what I mean? And he really took a shine to me, you know what I mean? Because coming in his place, you don't get a lot of college educated people. And of course, it looks good too if you could hire a minority as well in a management position. That also, so take all those things you know into consideration. But I was way over my head. I was stressed, working a lot of late hours, and when you're and when your salary, they grind. So all the stuff is stressed. And what do you do when you're stressed? You go and you gamble. And so the money that I had it starts to dwindle down, dwindle down, dwindle down, and then. So now I'm like coming up, it's coming to like the end of the year and I'm gambling and I'm doing this. So now I'm coming up short, you know? So then I, you know, so the one time I said to my roommate, I said, Hey, can you cover this month's rent and I'll cover next month's rent. And she's like, okay, okay, okay. You know, no problem. Do that. Well, the next month comes and I don't have the money. Right. And the place that we lived in was very expensive. And do so. And they were like, you know, and I wrote them a bad check. And the, the apartment was in her name because I wasn't working at the time. So she had to, I was still on the lease, but as like a, a subletter, she was the main person on, on the lease. So basically, long story short is they, they, they put a note on the door saying, you guys have, you know, a, you know, a, you know, a 15 day, 30 day eviction notice. Wow. And she's like, what's going on? So we had to go down to the, like, the check bounce. And of course, I'm making up a million excuses or why the check bounce and all this stuff. And the bottom line is that I'm just, you know, gambling my face off. And I go and I come home and she has all of her stuff packed. I'm like, whoa. She's like, Chuck, he's like, you know, she's like, I can't. She's like, this is going to screw up my credit. It's going to ruin everything. She's like, you can't come up with this money. She's like, we have a year long lease here, you know. And so we basically, you know, made a deal with them to cover the rent, you know, over a period of time and so that she could get out without it affecting her rent. But then we got to move again. You know, we got to get a storage space, try to find a new apartment. You know what I mean? My parents don't want me moving back home. So then I got to move into a hotel up there. You know, it, it, 
it just this is just a complete disaster. And she hates me. I mean, it was like a divorce, honestly, Bobby. It was like a divorce, but we weren't married. But it wasn't, you know, it was it was just it was just miserable. Yeah. And what do you do? When, and what do you do when you're miserable? You gamble. You want to gamble even more, right? You know, so and I'm running short. I'm trying to find a new apartment and stuff like that. I don't have money again to do all the all the you know first and last month's rent. I'm writing bad checks. I'm writing IOUs to the gambling establishment. You know, and so, you know, I end up taking, start taking the petty cash from work. Fraud, you know, I, cause I was the manager, the general manager, I would do deposits and I did, you know, a weekend deposit. So if I put it in on Saturday morning, they're not going to be able to verify it until at least Monday. And I kind of codified it. You know, I wrote a check in there to put it in, just took out the cash and put a check in. So technically it wasn't stealing. Now the check's no good. It's rubber, but, right. but you know, my, my addict thinking is, that I'll win over the weekend, deposit it Monday. You know, you have to understand banking was a little bit different back then. Right. So it wasn't as immediate of the check after you still have a few day window. So I'm thinking I have at least till Wednesday before this might come back to somebody, you know, even on Wednesday, you know, I mean, you know, it may not hit my bank till Wednesday, then it has to come back and then go back. You know, so I, my attic thing is, you know, going all the things and, you know, the walls are coming in on me, closing in on me left and right, you know. So I get caught. They can't really prove that I stolen money. But, you know, but they know it. I know it, you know, and I'm trying to not to. So long story short, I get fired. So now, you know, so now I'm at, you know, so now I'm fired out of work, you know. By the grace of God, I didn't get I didn't get arrested. You know, they couldn't really prove it. So they fired me. You know, I had a sheriff's detective come and talk to me about it, but you know, they really couldn't prove anything. I think the GM, the direct, you know, the district manager, he liked me. You know what I mean? He liked me, and he didn't. You know, kind of like he's gone. He's out of my thing. You know, but you know, I'm not pressing charges and stuff like that, which I was lucky. A litany of issues, and it goes through. This is what gambling takes, you know what I mean? So I've lost my house. I've lost my job. My car got repossessed. A friendship? I've lost a friendship with that. Oh, and she went through a whole thing of putting me on blast on Facebook because then I couldn't keep up with my payments to her to help pay back the original apartment that we had made the deal with. So then, you know, she puts it on Facebook that I'm a thief and it's just this whole tirade and it's going nuts. And so your whole life is coming down all around you. So how close are we to, to when you, what brought you to the center? The okay. First so, all right. So that, this is 2011. You go through this, Bobby, and this cycle kind of continues itself a couple of times over again. Like I said, put your life back together again, stop gambling, da da da, boom. So we'll fast forward four years. It's 2015. I'm living in another apartment with it, with a roommate who's an alcoholic, and I'm gambling all the time. But now I got my own place. So I don't want to gamble at the casino, you know, at at the poker club anymore. I'm holding poker games in my living room now. Every Friday night, I'm grabbing the guys that I can and come over and holding, you know, house games. 
but it's not the house games that we were playing before the $10, $20 games. These are now playing like we were playing in the poker club. And people, we don't have money like that. You know, we had one guy try to cheat, you know, win, and they called him out, and everybody wanted to, like, kill him. And, like, I had to basically tell him, you know, you can't come back. You know, like, get out of here. You can't come back. But people least, really wanted to. At least the underground stuff is sort of regulated, right? <laughs> to a degree. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a whole other story of the underground stuff. But anyways, long story short is I screw up that apartment as well. I stopped paying the rent there, you know. I'm using my mom's credit cards to run up things. And then she's asking me questions about where these charges are coming from and stuff like that. And so I'm trying to cover my normal expenses by using her credit cards. And I'm like, I don't know, mom. I'm like, maybe somebody got your number somehow. I don't know what's going on and stuff. Are you still um, not thinking that there's a problem? Are you still thinking it's a money and a, a life bad story? Because I, I had nobody around me to tell me the things that I need to know to do this because they're not used to dealing with this. So as far as I'm concerned, you know, I've, I know I've got a problem. I know I've got issues, but I don't, I don't, know, I don't know how to quantify it yet. Okay. I'm only asking because I can remember clearly being at the mm -hmm. casino, like with my mother, for example, right. or friends, and they would point at the 1-800 the gambling number. And I right. knew back in my head years before I ever admitted it. So that's what I'm trying to dial in. To okay. Well, my original, my, the original roommate the, in the old apartment that I had talked to you about, the girl. Yes. She actually came to my parents was like, I think he has a, a gambling problem. And I, because she used to give me money to gamble. Mm -hmm. And then she would be like, okay, you know, you know, go, I'll give you the money and then let's split the winnings, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And so I told her, you know, when she, when she went to my parents and told her that, I was like, like, mom, dad, she's crazy. She's just nuts. <laughs> like, yeah, her, blah, blah, blah. It's just, you know, she's a scorned woman. That's that. It's crazy. One night I, you know, I overdrew my money. I gambled my money away. And I was about six, I was, I, okay, I was about $300 short. And it was like five in the morning and people were like, we need the money. So I go over to my mother's house, and it's like five in the morning. I go into her bedroom, and I take her purse, and I take her ATM card out, and I go to the bank, and I take out the three hundred dollars. Mm. Then my attic thinking, I go, I pay that off, I'm done, blah blah blah. My mother calls me because her routine is getting up first thing in the morning, and checking her account. So she checks her account. And she's like, I'm missing $300. I'm like, mom, I don't know what's going on. I didn't have a blog. She's like, I just came in to get a jacket. I'm like, I don't know what's going on with this. She's like, and my card is missing. I'm like, mom, I don't know what's going on. So then my addict thinking says, I'm going to do it again. So then it seems like it's got to be some random person. It can't be me because she just <laughs> talked to me. So I go over to another bank, take out another $300. You know, and my mother's like freaking out, blah, 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 blah. And Bobby, this is shit was the lowest stuff that, you know, I had a cousin who was addicted to drugs, that stole money from my mother when he lived with us. And he stole money from me, stole money from my mother. My dad had to kick him out of the house. And I swore to myself as a child, as like a nine-year-old, 10-year-old child, that I would never do something to myself that would make me do those kind of things. And I had become just as bad, you know, with the gambling. 
Well, that's why we're here, Chuck, right? Because people, especially with as normal as gambling seems to the general public, because it's everywhere, it's integrated into fundraisers and all this stuff. I don't think that people understand when we're in that mode, you're not thinking about your mother. You're not thinking about integrity. You're not thinking about any of that stuff. And as we refer to it in our world, it's the disease making it make us do these crazy things. And I, I think that's the big disconnect that people don't grasp. It's almost like, you know, the, the good angel and the bad devil on the shoulders. It's, it's like your, your whole, nothing is functioning. You're not thinking. Right. Well, you're not driving the bus anymore. Right. So now the situation is, and my mother comes to me, she said, Chuck, if you took the money, just tell me and we'll work it out. And what I learned now that I didn't know then is that I couldn't face it to myself that I had done it. So there was no way I could tell her that I did it. And so the bank says, listen, you know, we can get you your money back, but you have to, you know, you have to file a police report. So she has to go down to the county police, do so. They have to do, you know, invest, you know, do you have any idea who could have done this? You know, my mother says, you know, no, I don't really know, blah, 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 blah. Well, of course, you know, the police, it doesn't take them long. They go, they pull those security cameras, da 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 And then my mom has to get, a, you know, an email from them, you know, a call and an email from them, you know, do you know the suspect? And it's her own son. Right. So then they have to file charges. In order to get her money back, they have to file charges. So they file charges, you know, petty larceny and thing. But the part of the problem is that because you use because I used her card without permission, then now that becomes a felony because you're using, um, because, because, you're, because you're using a card without, 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 without somebody's permission. That's, that's what's the big thing. If you were just taking the, the money, then that, wasn't, then that wouldn't be as much of an issue. Oh, okay. But because you use the ATM card, that's the biggest thing. The other issue that I didn't know about this time is, so, so my parents are friends with the Albany DA. So I'm thinking, oh, the fix is in. You know what I mean? I'm going to get my, I'm going to get out of this. You know, no big deal. Slap on the wrist, nonviolent. You know, blah 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 blah. But that's not how my dad put it to him. <laughs> my dad put it to him is, I need, I don't know what's going on with my son. I need help. He needs help. You know, can you help us help him? So David Soros puts it down on, you know, to to his prosecutor. No deal. No deals. So my public defender's like, Chuck, they're saying no deals on this. And I'm like, what do you mean no deals? I'm like, how can you mean no deals? He's like, yeah. It's like, I can't get a deal on this. It's like, I don't, you know. And then it turns out that, you know, they find out, oh, well, you know, does your dad know the, something with the DA? And so my mom is sitting there with me, you know, she stood by my side through all of this, but, and she knew that my dad had talked to him. And I hit the roof. I was furious because my plan to get out of this was not happening. Right. And they said, okay, so what we'll do is you have to complete this drug court program. Now, here's the thing about the drug court program. They had never let anybody into the drug court program for just gambling. I don't have an alcohol problem. I don't have a substance abuse problem. So it's just gambling. I was the first person to come in through just gambling. 
And so now I'm in the drug court program. And holy cow. Talk about not being, you know, somebody's going to control your life for you. Mm. You know. So at the meantime, you know, part of the thing, before I got into the program, I started coming to the center. And I'm going to meetings and stuff like that. And I told them when I was going, you know, I'm like, I'm like, you know, this has been great. This has been really good for me, you know, but um, I'm done coming to these meetings. I'm not going to meetings anymore. Well, drug court has a different viewer. <laughs> so not only do I have to go to the Monday, not only do I have to go, I have to go to, I have to go to two meetings a week at the center, you know, for inpatient, you know, outpatient treatment. But then they say, so that was, you know, so that was that. But then they said, on top of that, you have to attend three self-help meetings. And my mind was blown. At that time, I'm there with my counselor. I'm like, what do you mean self-help meetings? She's like, well, this isn't self-help, Chuck. This is treatment. I'm like, what kind of bullshit is this? I'm like, this is not. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, I thought I was coming to GA. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> this is treatment. You have to go to GA. So now instead of going to two meetings a week, I have to go to five meetings a week. Instead of going to jail. What? Instead of, instead, going of, instead of going to jail. But what people will tell you in the program is that it is tougher to go through the, to go through the drug court program than to say, just take me to jail. Hmm. I wouldn't want to learn. I wouldn't want to know the answer to that. These are coming from people that have gone through it. Yeah. Because the difference is, is that in the drug court program, you're under a lot of restrictions, but you're still given the freedom. You know what I mean? Right. In jail, you're locked down. You know what I mean? Like when, you know, when people go to jail, they take the handcuff. You know, you don't, there's no choices anymore. Right. That makes sense. Here you, here you still have some free will choices. There are consequences. You know, the other part is, you know, so now you got to report to, so not only do I have to go, I have to go five meetings a week, report, I have to go to drug court every Friday, and I have to report randomly. I have to report once a week down to the drug court offices. And even though it's not there for substance abuse, I still have to get piss tested. Because they said you're not supposed to drink alcohol while you're doing this, you know. And I, and that, which isn't a problem, but I'd like to have a beer before. Right. But my counselor said, you haven't done anything to earn a beer. <laughs> this was Yolanda was my counselor at the time. So. Oh, uh, yeah, I knew that just as you said that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you haven't done anything to do. So, you know, so it took me a while to embrace this new surrounding and do so. But I did it. I was going to five meetings a week. I was meeting all my obligations. Started looking for a job. I got a job working at um, Home Depot. You know, I'm progressing in the drug court program. I'm doing well. You know, I'm staying gamble free. You know, it's a, you know, drug court is a minimum of 18 months and like a max of like 30 months. I like, I mean, maybe it's a little bit less, but like, I think it's like 18 to 24 months is the max. I'm, I'm towing the line. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing, you know, and as you come on, they give you, you know, okay, you don't have to go to, you know, you can, you can cut down your treatment. And then I had, I put together 18 months of gamble free time. I was holding down my job and graduation comes up and I'm up for graduation in October of 2017. And I'm skyrocketing. I'm so excited. I, I can't, I mean, I'm bursting. I can't wait for this to be done. What I didn't realize what I was doing is that 
in the drug court program, they were giving me a playbook for me to live the rest of my life. But I was looking at it, and here's a playbook to get me through drug court. And once I'm done, I can go back to doing what I want to do. Because I still wanted to gamble. Before we get off of drug court, I just want to call out a couple things I learned. Because now, to your point, you're ramping up to 2017, October. I meet you around May. And one of, you know, I don't know if the universe, higher power, working its magic, but to your point, you were the first gambler in this program. I want to acknowledge the point that you're taking drug tests, and <clears throat> even though the, the drugs or substances or alcohol isn't necessarily the issue, but you're jumping through these hoops, you've kind of set, I, I think you've educated you know, the court system a little through that. And I think it's important to call that out again, from the awareness perspective that how do you test a gambler, you know, who has to check right. once a week? Do you, right. do you look at their bank account? I mean, what do you do? And, and that's part of the struggle and why this addiction is so secret and serious and has its own little legs. So I just wanted to call that out because you did a really good job of helping heightened awareness. I know that Bill was pretty passionate about it. And, and now I, in your story, I'm now in your life to follow the rest of what you're about to say. Now, on top of everything else with my issues, I have bipolar disorder. So I have mood swings. And if I get excited, if I get rammed up about something, you know, it's okay to be excited like a kid on Christmas, but my bipolar takes it sky high. So going into this, I am sky high excited. Even one of the other, you know, members was like, Chuck, you're hot. And I was like, he's like, you're high. And I'm like, I'm not high. And then he's like, no, I'm like, you're, because I was so excited. I thought, you know, I completed the biggest thing in the world and I'm, I'm ready to just go out and live life how I want to live it. Now, the codicil of the, of the drug court is that they reduced my charges from a felony to a misdemeanor. I wouldn't have a record or anything like that. But you're on ACOD for one year, which means, you know, adjournment, condition, conditional adjournment. So if you get in any trouble within that year, the new charges are in effect, plus the old charges come into effect. Oh. And so I had cut off, you know, all the ties to the, the gambling clubs and stuff like that. I wasn't playing any. If you didn't guess by now, folks that I go to the center with and I, we can talk a lot. And we're used to each other so once again we're going to do this as a part one and a part two and I think it's important to call out a couple things that Chuck has already mentioned or important parts of his story that I just I just wanted to talk about so you might hear a little sarcasm or humor around when we talk about our addict brains or the the choices we make and it's I guess it's a coping mechanism on some level or we can look back and see the ridiculousness of our actions so I wanted to kind of explain that it's not that gambling's funny gambling's very serious and just like Michelle's story as Chuck is telling you about the court system people don't understand there's not even resources for rehabilitation in the court system or in jails. So that's another thing I, I'm obviously a little passionate about, but it. I also want you to pick up on the fact that 
you know, Chuck is talking about stealing from his mother. His, his mother is such a resource and so caring and so supportive of this man. And you're going to hear more in part two. And that's what this addiction does, people. Like, it, it takes over your normal brain. We're talking about an educated guy here. He, like he said in the beginning, he has college. He has his master's degree. He's a big black dude. Like, gambling doesn't discriminate. That's another point to drive home. Okay, I'll get off my soapbox. He did a wonderful job, and part two will be released next Friday. So I hope you tune back in as I don't want to ruin the surprise or anything. But as Chuck pointed out in the beginning of the interview, 18 months is kind of his sweet spot. So he'll take us on what happens after he graduates drug court on the next episode. Before I leave, you need a positive quote. So today's will be from boom, boomso.com. I don't know. I'm always stealing these. Well, not stealing. I try to be good and tell you where they're from. So here's just a random one. You can blame others all you want, but the truth is that ultimately your happiness is your responsibility. Be positive. Thanks for tuning in, beautiful people. We will get to the rest of Chuck next week. I hope that you have a fabulous week and stay tuned for Coping While Cooped, I guess, our daily our daily little chats while we're still in lockdown. Thanks.